And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Deductionist podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Um, this should be another treasure trove of glory-based information for you to get your cognitive laughing tackles around. Um, tonight, this evening, we've got, as ever, our host who looks more like a homeless man we've dragged in from the streets. <laughs> Adam Gollamorley, how are you doing, sir? Can I have that five pounds now? <laughs> if you promise to buy, it. if you promise to buy a cup of tea with it, nothing I will. more. And then I will retreat back into my cardboard hut, <laughs> and I won't bother you again. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. But ladies and gents, we've got some special guests with you, uh, with you and us and everyone here this evening. Uh, it'd be good if I had a script to work from. Anyway, there's some uh, there's some interesting folks here for you guys to uh, listen to and pick their brains from. We've got Lily Wolford and Jonam Ross of Love with Intelligence. Good evening, guys. How are you doing? Crowd goes wild. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I felt like we should be dancing our way onto the screen. I thought it was going to be like a strictly come dancing entrance, which well, is daily appears in WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, st I'm still waiting for the Ric Flair impression with, woo! <laughs> I, I haven't got hair anymore to do that though, so I can't really pull that off. I just feel like I've got rabies. Um, <laughs> I did not give it you. <laughs> Again. Again. Um, see, we've gone in too early with the dodgy humour. That's fine. We we picked too early. It's, it's no downhill from me. There's, no, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> so. Lily and Jonam are from a company called Love with Intelligence, right? Now, in, in your own words, guys, for those of you uh, listening out there in the ether that perhaps haven't come across you before, first of all, what rock are you living under? Um, and secondly, how hard is it to tip the rock over so you can listen to what is about to be said? So, guys, for, for, for those who need to be told what Love with Intelligence is, Pressure's on, lights in your eyes, waterboarding is to follow. Who's your daddy and what does he do? So, Love with Intelligence, we're working with mainly professional women around dating and relationships, helping them to find love like safely, first and foremost, and successfully, where you can find someone who you actually want to be with and you can actually make it a lasting, happy, genuine thing. So we bring in a lot of different modalities like NLP, but also the behavioral engineering, which is where our, our link with you came from, Ben, is from the behavioral engineering world and using these insights to see, well, how deeply can you understand another person and how quickly so that you can make an informed decision based on the truth. So that's what we're about. <laughs> yeah we kind of bring in the um the behavioral engineering part just for like compatibility but also safety as well i think um, yeah. there's some pretty like scary stats out there i think it's one in three women and one in four men who actually go for a physically abusive relationship nowadays so um wow. by bringing this in we're hoping to uh, help lower those stats Definitely. That's wow. that's 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 a terrifying. I remember speaking yeah, well. to you before as well. There's some pretty pretty dodgy numbers concerning um, uh, online dating and uh, yeah. dating sites, like regarding the, you know the type of predatorial uh, antics that go on uh, on there. Is, is that is that right? Is that still going yeah. on? Has that changed at all since lockdown? Um, uh, well, the amount of people that have gone on to online dating has obviously increased because that's the only way that people can date. 
But um, uh, prior to lockdown, I don't know what they would be now. I think it was like 51% of people on there already in relationships. Um, like actually dating on dating sites and um, uh, 12% of people who are dating online are married so uh, if you found ghosted or anything like that (laughs) (laughs) my god people got bored during lockdown (laughs) (laughs) there's a scary thing which is that most if not all dating sites if they found out that one of their members is a confirmed sex offender like mm. on the sex offenders register, they will not take the profile down. They won't, there's no warning yeah. or anything. So even if they know completely for sure that this person is on the sex offenders register, they'll leave the profile up there. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Really crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, um, uh, and I remember when Ben went through uh, an online dating profile for us. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I think we did. Um, what was it in three minutes flat? You found out just from three photos that person was a murderer, paedophile, and what's the other thing? Drug user. Drug user. It was like, yeah, Jesus. So cool. Yeah, <laughs> so and that technology into. Uh, profile someone as quickly as that because that's needed you know (laughs) when you have a look at those stats just on online dating sites yeah it's freaking madness i mean defense isn't it the the way i see it you've got the things like violent behavior prediction that's the most extreme thing hopefully that's not a situation most people will be in but it's it's good to know then you've got the protection from these narcissists and the manipulators so that's something we delve deeply into then you've got well compatibility someone might not be a narcissist but they might just not be right for you so you can end up wasting months or years with a person who right so so there's that threat as well and then finally it's like right you've found someone you can really connect with someone who you have a future with how can you make sure you don't screw it up (laughs) and make it as good as it possibly can be so those are the areas that we focus on a lot because it's, it's that spectrum in that order that we need yeah. to take care of. How did you guys sort of uh, begin putting this together then? Was it like as with the two separate ideas originally from yourselves or was it an idea you created together? Or was it something that just come, it's, it's come naturally between you both? Yeah, so um, originally I was an accountant and back in, gosh, is it 2000? Yeah, 2018. Um, I've decided after going through coaching and NLP and all those different things and looking at my past relationships and realizing, well, okay, my relationship history is an absolute freaking mess. Um, (laughs) Dating narcissist, been stalked for five years, um, uh, went through quite an abusive um, relationship with a narcissist. Oh, Christ. Yeah. And uh, so it made me, um, you know, really take stock of like okay what's going on what do I need to learn to be able to have a healthy relationship and what does a relationship look like because I was ending up in like crappy relationship after crappy relationship Mm. or a few month flings it was just like okay something needs to change and obviously about the common denominator (laughs) (laughs) what's going on and um uh, oh gosh after doing loads of research and things like our self-love and self-confidence and things like that it's 
is great, but it's realizing, well, having a load of self-love and self-confidence isn't going to turn a narcissist away. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you can have all the confidence. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, can you stop stalking me now, please? You know, <laughs> I love drinking your bath water. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah well actually the way I, I got into the behavioral profiling aspect was I was dating on tinder of all places I call it you know when research and, uh, <laughs> the dark years <laughs> oh I know right <laughs> but it was like this weird guy had messaged me and I thought okay well I'll just message back and you know see what happens exchange a few messages and you know when you get that feeling like oh okay something's not right here so thought that was the end of the conversation next day got another message just ignored it because I thought well I'm not interested it's not fair leading someone on Mm. and uh the following day I suddenly got this huge interflora um, a bunch of roses. There must have been like 20 odd roses in there. Wow, I have, I don't know what they come in. Is it 24? I don't know. But there was a shitload. <laughs> I've never bought flowers in my life. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know, it was around the face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on camera. <laughs> That's how we're going. Isn't it? <laughs> If you look carefully, you can see the bus marks on Jonah's shoulders. He's just been thrown <laughs> over. So yeah, so yeah. Oh, it's hot. Yeah. It's so hot. Oh, no, go on. Yeah. The flowers. <laughs> but yeah got these flowers and um yeah this guy only had my name he only had my name my you know profile on tinder on my first not even like the surname and had sent me these roses i knew it was him just by a little silly message that he put on on the the note card yeah. And which linked back to his profile. It was just a weird cryptic. So delivered to your house. Yes. Yeah. Did you immediately find this sinister more than anything? <laughs> you know what the scary thing is? When I told my mum, she was like, oh, so when are you going to see him? Oh, wow. Thing is, yeah, exactly. But this is the, the thing. hearing mother. That's what I'll say. I love my mum. She's so lovely. <laughs> She's the best in everyone. But it's. But it's like, oh how my do God. you do that? Do you know? It's like, as soon as they get something nice, they feel the need to be able to give back or do something in return. Mm. And this is the thing, you know, <laughs> that's the scary part of it. And I kind of knew that this was going to be like one of these scary stalker situations. And I knew that Jonam, who was also single at the time. Um, um, Bunny Jonah was working with Chase. So Chase is a world leader in behavioral profiling and does loads of different things. So I knew Jonah was doing some really interesting stuff. And I was like, look, there's this guy. He's just sent me these roses. I've only given my first name. What on earth do I do? Because I don't want to be stalked, you know, stalked again for a long period of time. Because yeah. you, you block someone, it creates a game. It's almost like that frenzy of, okay, how can I reach them? How can I find them? You know, this guy's already got my address. 
And so I knew I had to do something to be able to just switch that, you know, that, I don't even know what to call it, that frenzy off. Mm. I think that's anyway. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, Joan and spoke to Chase. Um, I said in a group chat that I think we I remember it well. I sent this email. What should I tell her? <laughs> and it's just, it was a few very simple points, but just yeah. very pinpoint advice. So we, I just screenshotted that and sent it back to you. And the results were just Yeah, instant. literally wow. from um, him trying to ask to see me and, you know, sending lots of very keen messages without being rude without being like you know mm. defensive or having to block him or make him feel like crap <laughs> um I, I just basically made myself very unattractive to him that's the that's in simple terms what you kind of do and yeah it just switched off that frenzy and it was like right if I get any clients who have gone through that scenario, go through that scenario, because a few of my clients at the time had told me about having to spend a few grand on moving to escape narcissists and things oh, wow. like that. So it's like, okay, if I can be able to deliver something like this to my clients, it can, it can keep them safe. It can keep um, young children safe if they're a single parent. So it's like, okay, I need this because how can I ensure the safety of my clients? And yeah. Little did I know at the time, um, like going on Chase's course, it came with Jonam. You get Jonam free. So- <laughs> 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 That's, that sounded like a medical turn. You're Jonam. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Covid free. It's like you know the toys in a Happy Meal. <laughs> they were this. You come in five parts and we put you together. <laughs> He does what he, he, he does what in what now? <laughs> Adam Gollum, Morley. I tell you what. How dare you sour my jokes with your drain behaviour? People know we're in the gutter at this point. That's what they keep coming back for. But um no, we obviously do things with a with a with a Sherlockian lilt. Now the the only person, if if you read the stories or or watch the movies, to have have scuppered his rather uh, laser like focus and way of seeing through somebody is Irene Adler, right? Now you could say that there's an adversarial quality to that. You could say he was attracted to her. You could say both. Either way, there was an element in that relationship that stopped uh, a certain level of critical thinking. On, on Sherlock Holmes's part that allowed him to get to certain information that he needed because the information helped him solve cases and protect people, blah, 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 whatever else, right? So what what is it, in, in your guy's opinion, what is it do you think brings about that same lack of, of critical thinking within a, within a particular relationship? You know, if you take the previous one before, arguably this guy isn't thinking clearly enough to be able to send these flowers and think, okay, I'm going to win her over. It's going to be awesome. This will be something we'll tell our kids about. You know, and, and on the other side, there are those that don't think clearly when they're so obviously being lied to. You know, there's, there's, there's an element to this in many different many different facets. So what, what do you think brings about that occurrence of a lack of critical thinking? I would describe it as similar to what we call beer goggles. 
So that's why you might describe a person as a six pinter. It's like, (laughs) when you're intoxicated, it clouds your vision. Well, alcohol and other chemical substances from the outside aren't the only thing that intoxicate us. Uh, In the behavioral profiling world, we talk a lot about these emotional addictions that we have. And these, uh, whether these are social needs or however you describe it, or just the need to feel attractive or the need to feel loved. When we have an experience like that or something that triggers that feeling of whether it's challenge, whether it's attraction, whether it's acceptance or just being significant in someone else's life, that literally releases syringe loads worth of happy chemicals throughout our body. And so when you've got that amount of dopamine and endorphins and oxytocin surging through your system, then to be asked, hey, make a rational decision. That's like saying, here, have five shots of tequila <laughs> and decide who you can I will climb that scaffolding. Right. <laughs> I <Yeah>. shall. <laughs> my, my lats feel so much stronger when I drink. It just... <laughs> Yeah, for, for some reason, after, after my eighth or ninth double rum, I, I always think I can somersault, but I never can. Um, but it's fun to watch. Go figure. Um, but yeah, it's I I, I was uh, I was reading a study a, a good number of years ago on sex addiction, uh, of all things, and apparently there is a similar sort of sort of uh, neurochemistry that's involved with the release of said toxic. Uh, yeah, toxins, that's the opposite, uh, they, they, through the cerebrospinal fluid and the things like the endorphins and the oxytocin and the like, uh, that can lead to that sort of euphoric response that people get much like getting high, much like people get from when they are six pints in, you know, much like from if you're a, a, a smoker of a marijuana um, I, I can't say that in a street way. I always sound so painfully white saying it, so I, I just I just commit to it. Um, Mary Jane, and Mary Jane, sweet Mary Jane. Uh, my my friend Ian calls it Gretna, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm again. I I can't pull that off at, at all. I keep wanting to say Gretna. Where is Gretna, darling? Go to get married. She said she would bring tea. well, yeah. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, there's. You're saying is there's a, a sort of um, like like a drug addiction almost in the same way that people will steal to to feed that feed that habit. This can happen in in relationships as well. Is is that sort of? Yeah, it's like mm. short term gratification. I think um, it's the same thing with attraction. As soon as you see someone who's you know, seriously sexy, who's, you know, you, you feel absolutely besotted, you can't take your eyes off them. There's not that feel, you know, not that thought pattern of, um, oh, okay, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with them. <laughs> you know, you're thinking more in the moment. And I think yeah. that's what tends to happen with, you know, relationships, dating, and, you know, that initial attraction phase. And it makes us think in such a short-term way, um, uh, and, and basically, we don't tend to think of the consequences. We don't think of the longer term. We just think, yeah. right, I need that now. <laughs> to, to zoom out to the kind of societal level or cultural level, yeah. we grow up very much with a sense of, okay, I'm, I'm not enough as I am. Like, at some point, everyone goes through an experience in their life that teaches them the lesson, you're not enough as you are. You need to jump through all these hoops, display all these behaviours and 
maybe pursue this kind of career or have that sort of relationship in order to be okay. We get fed these romantic stories, like the, the pillar of Western romance could be described as being uh, like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Well, that story, that's people who were so addicted to love itself. I'm going to say a spoiler here. So anyone who's not seen already, I'm sorry. <laughs> people were so obsessed with this idea of being in a relationship that that completed them, that they would rather die and like kill themselves, die, than mm. be without it. And so that's the in the fabric of our, our consciousness, at least in, in this culture. And so this idea of what well, a romantic partner will complete me, I can have this family, I can have this life, I can have all this stuff. That's this subconscious belief for so many people. So then it's like, well, I've found this person who ticks all the right boxes. I, I yeah. get giddy feelings and I can imagine doing unspeakable things with them. And it, <laughs> that, that's really nice. And so then we're like, well, they... they they fit. So I'm going to like project that and then I've got this missing piece of the puzzle that's going to make all of my life feel really good. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's not got great but results. Then talking about like just normal biology as well. Yeah. You know, if, if we didn't have sex, then we wouldn't procreate. Um, so I think yeah, there's a natural really... system to it all, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a lot to, you know, a lot to do with, um, with that biochemistry and that biology that has a huge impact. I mean, for example, there's like a, a statistic. I'm really impressed. I managed to say that word. Are you? I'll be impressed if you remember the statistic. I usually say stat just to get away with it, but now I'm quite proud of that. Um, but yeah, usually there's a stat. I'm not even going to go for it again. Um, uh, where women are more likely to cheat whilst they're ovulating. And it just shows that that kind of, that biology has that influence you know, through the women anyway, um, but it makes you wonder what the implications of men as well. <laughs> when we're on, <laughs> we might not be able to use that. <laughs> yeah. I can't picture that. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. I was ovulating. ovulating. <laughs> turns out men have sex more when women are ovulating. So that's the mirror, mirror image of that. <laughs> they they slot together like I mean. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> sorry. That was just the start of that magic trick. When you guys, and um, obviously with what you're doing uh, with your company, when you get clients coming to you looking to to find love, do you find it a challenge, or ever you if do you find it difficult to to sort of uh, deduce what they are after in terms of like are they actually looking for a partner are they ready to find someone who will make them happy or sometimes do they come to you and you sort of uh realize that they're looking for well, like what we're talking about now are they looking for something that is more lust than love and how do you tackle that problem if they do come to you with that and you know that like, like we're saying it's not necessarily a good thing all the time yeah. when someone is looking for something else <laughs> that isn't quite necessarily what a good relationship might be but what they are fed to believe is a good relationship yeah, i have yeah. no idea if i've worded that right no i love, I love <laughs> the question i think um if you find that there's someone's more after like lust rather than love i usually find that there's some healing to be done as you know cringy as it is but it is true you know usually you find if you're after just lust rather than love there's usually an element where 
we're afraid to be vulnerable. We're afraid to actually open a heart up and trust, you know, trust your judgment because if you've been rejected or you've had a bad experience and been heartbroken, it's going to be pretty scary to go, right, okay, I'm going to jump in there and do it all again. <laughs> you know, it's like touching a hot pan or something like that. It's like, okay, you're going to go and cook again, maybe. <laughs> be a little bit more um, uh, cautious in your approach. And I think that's what people do and they look for that lust element. It's like, well, that's the easy part. Yeah, <laughs> we can all feel lust you know we can all have sex if we wanted but the intimacy part and being vulnerable and the connection element is things that the, most people are missing and I think <laughs> as sad as this is I think loads of people in relationships are missing this in their relationships because it's almost yeah. easy to settle and easy to you know to be the Instagram couple or <laughs> keeping up appearance, you know, pick up <laughs> you know it's, it's like, um, I always use the analogy of, you know, you go into a party, you've had a huge argument with your party, um, you, with your partner, but as soon as you're at the party, everything's fine. And, you know, you know, everyone's happy. And, you know, it's like that feeling of having to keep up appearances rather than actually being true to your, vulnerabilities your emotions and who you are and what you're feeling and, and feeling okay with that and accepting yeah. that so I think there's a lot yeah a lot of layers there I would so a lot of life is very much runs in fractal patterns right mm -hmm. so body language we know that a repetitive behavior is often self-soothing so like you know if, if you see someone doing this kind of thing a lot it's it might not be a deception thing it's just self-soothing then scaling up I was reading or listening to an interesting study on um, on trauma and addiction. And the conclusion was that addiction is a is a like a self-soothing response that stops the person having to face the original cause of the trauma. And so they get stuck in this loop of addictive behavior, whether that's food or sex or drugs or alcohol, it could be anything. But going in that loop-like behavior is a, a self-soothing mechanism that allows the person to survive somewhat without having to go right into that darkness or the pain that triggered that response. And yeah. so often in, in relationships, if someone's just running these loops again and again and again, like Lily said, it can be a great indicator that, look, if you're running loops and you're never making progress or you always reach a certain point and then it stops, that's an exact analog of trauma responses in other contexts so it's a good sign that something needs to be worked on yeah that sounds like everyone in love island <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right no traumatic loops <laughs> good tv oh god yeah that's a, that's a fine example of look like love and lust isn't it that's just genuine people who have no idea what they want they've come in just to yeah, sort of because they're all too dumb yeah. <laughs> when we're talking about like you see these Instagram couples, like all the couples on shows like Love Island and things like that, you look at them and you're like, the words that are coming out of their mouth, like, oh, we're bonded forever, and he's yeah. the man I've come in here looking for, and I knew straight away that was the one to be. What drivel are you talking? You're gonna be like split up in the tabloids <laughs> now. <laughs> and you know, you sort of like that seems like in a way that's your aim but you don't even know that is your aim <laughs> it's it's like a like I say just a traumatic loop a vicious cycle yeah, yeah. Why, why do you think people get a sort of validation or you know 
uh, an acceptance from seeming like everything's okay. Where, where, where do you think that, that comes from? I'd say um, uh, from like a childhood belief of seeing parents' relationships work. So I'd say it's almost seeing, you know, parental patterns. So for example, if it was like keeping, <laughs> keeping arguments under a certain level in front of the children, and then, you know, kids can hear them arguing when they're upstairs <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. I think it's almost like seeing how their parents always acted in public um, uh, and seeing from that point of view. Plus there can be the element as well. If there was a child that was craving attention from either one of their parents, they can seek that in their relationship as well. So for example, it might be acceptance or approval. Um, uh, yeah, or, or that sort of significant boost mm. of like, oh, aren't I great? Yeah. <laughs> and, a cyclical nature to the, the, the patterns repeating sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, yeah. As well, there's certainly in the UK, we have the thing, the expression of don't air your dirty laundry in public. Oh, yeah. Which just makes sense. I mean, why would you? Why would you advertise to a party yeah. of people she is a right cow. You'll never guess what she said about my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, you've done that before. I thought... <laughs> Your Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> the Hawaiian I've, I've shirt. seen the text. <laughs> right. It's hilarious. <laughs> right, the Hawaiian shirt notwithstanding. Oh. <laughs> there's a, a, a degree where it's like, look, if you're a unit, even if you're not liking each other right now, yeah. fact is that you are a unit and you're not going to present yourself as looking weaker than you are on the outside or looking as weak as you are even on the outside so that part i don't see that put keeping up appearances my opinion is that's not such a negative thing but within the relationship behind closed doors if you're keeping up appearances with each other it's like yeah no i'm totally happy are you totally happy yeah i'm totally happy and then you're texting your, your friends <laughs> Going like, oh, what well, she hates my Hawaiian shirt, and you let that fester. Yeah, that's where the the keeping up appearance things fails. Yeah, and I think this is it. It's like people forget how to communicate. Mm. It's almost like um, you know, women are so well known for going, you know, what's the matter? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm leaving it there. Well, I don't ask. You don't ask. Would you not? <laughs> that's what brings the tears. <laughs> I think it's, you know, we always say about, you know, collaborating as a couple. It's like, mm -hmm. it's not about, um, like, I think it's a huge thing around sacrifice. You need to, you need to sacrifice the relationship. And it's like, that's bollocks. Mm -hmm. Like, if you've got consideration for each other, consideration for the relationship, and you can collaborate well together to prioritize the relationship, then there shouldn't be an issue. If it feels like you're sacrificing, well, there's a, there's a problem going on. <laughs> there's, a, there's a metaphor that we use a lot about how when when people can't communicate and be open with each other in a relationship it's like you have <clears throat> two actors on a stage playing mm. the part of being in a relationship and that can be a very convincing relationship on stage or you know in film or something it can be really convincing they're saying all the right things going through all the right motions but then once the masks have fallen or once you're off camera, it's like, well, that's that's not the truth. That's just a role that you are both fulfilling. And so it's not the actual people behind the masks who were speaking with each other. It was just a, a facade. So how can you get to that level where it's like, look, we can be real with each other. And then you can build upon that because 
because it's real. Mm. Yeah. I think there's a big thing around that of people actually accepting themselves and actually accepting their partner for who they are as well. And I think this is one of the reasons why so many relationships fail is that they've had to keep this mask up and keep this appearance going for so long. And then someone sees behind, it doesn't like what they see, and it's like, right, okay, I'm out. <laughs> Done. But I think a big part of that as well is the reason that people put these masks up or, you know, even down to using things like manipulation techniques of like saying 10 things to make him fall in love with you and things like that. If you have like that, you know, those sort of skills or those scripts, we've got that mask there. If you're rejecting a relationship, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the mask. And I think that's where a lot of issues happen. You know, like we're saying about the act. Safety blanket. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, actually, you don't need the bloody blanket. You know, it's it's far nicer to be able to have a conversation, to be, you know, be more vulnerable vulnerable with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Trauma response. No. (laughs) No, (laughs) Jonah. <laughs> but you know, it's it's being able to do that, but also accept each other for that. It's not about judging or shaming each other. It's about working together, because you're always going to have weaknesses as an individual, but also weaknesses in the relationship, depending on your own strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. So it's almost like navigating those yeah. to become stronger together. You think yeah. there can be a dependency on the mask so much so that without sounding like I'm going too deep, but like you forget what is underneath the mask mm-hmm. in a way. Do you think people forget how to act without a mask? Yeah. love that, yeah. I mean, how many people do you hear going, oh, I lost myself in that relationship? <laughs> and I think <laughs> this is it. It's like, um, and I think that comes back to like the whole people-pleasing aspect because I think because people want that gratification, it's almost like wanting to do things for their partner or to be noticed or to have that bit of gratification or that bit of love. I mean, people feel that they have to work really hard for love in a relationship and it shouldn't be that way. You know, it should be unconditional. If you love someone, you love them. It shouldn't be about what they do or what they look like. You know, it should be for who they are as a person, the whole package. You hear that, Ben? Appreciate me. (laughs) (laughs) Stop trying to change me. (laughs) I didn't know it was going to be a therapy session. So I pull off the mask now. (laughs) It reveals another me. (laughs) If you notice, I've gone really closed off. Now, Now, Ben, short turn. Is there anything you'd like to say to Adam? (laughs) I'm sorry. Can I come out from under the stairs? <laughs> Are you that sorry? <laughs> no. <laughs> Might be sorry, but I'm not silly. Um, you don't yeah, get well, to come out. That's the deal. <laughs> it's my secret. I will put you a window in and nothing more. Be happy with that. <laughs> but I've, I've, I've always... This, this may be a very very weird metaphor so but just go with me okay I, I i've always i've always sort of thought which is again why, why i prefer dogs to people but i've i've always thought that if i'm gonna have a relationship with a, a person it needs to be of the same emotional quality that i have with my dogs because it's it's effortless it's effortless you, you, pardon 
unconditional. It's un- exactly that's that's the first yeah. thing that that popped into my head when you when you said that word that. You, you know, even when uh, you, they might have done something that has, has pissed you off, they've eaten your hats, which my puppy did to me a while ago, and <laughs> it, it really, really pissed me off. But you know, not 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 ten minutes later, we were we were cuddling on the sofa playing. You know, because there's that there's that dynamic there. And she yeah. didn't even have to say a word. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which which is arguably you know better in most human relationships. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I, I think that that sort of illustrative quality that I'm, I'm only saying with dogs, but it, it, it could be a pet. You know, you, you, you have that same sort of unconditional element with your pets. Uh, why that's not transferred to, to people is is beyond me. And it, it seems to come down to things like masks and point scoring and oh, what if she does this or what if he does that? Oh, this will happen. What will these people think when? There's there's so many uh, extraneous factors, and it really it, again for me it's it's obviously going to come back to a Sherlock quote, but it's uh, emotional qualities really are uh, antagonistic to clear reasoning, and without opening up that line of communication between you and whoever else you're in the relationship with, whether that be your partner or your bearded lover in the nighttime that you keep under the stairs. <laughs> Is is um? Fist, it would be like Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, if? What do you think I have to shave? Gets <laughs> knotted at the bottom. Stuck together. <laughs> <laughs> we were the original comedy and tragedy faces, just stuck next to one another. Except we were both <laughs> very unhappy. <laughs> What you said about the comedy faces—that should define love. <laughs> I, I guess. I guess what I'm re- what I'm really asking, uh, and it, it might be maybe this would be the, the the best piece of advice you could have given yourself a few years ago, Lily. Knowing knowing what you know now, what what's what's the best way for somebody to uh, at least recognize that breaking that cycle is going to be beneficial regardless of how scary it is what's that what's the best advice that you would give to somebody rather than booking a session with your good self because obviously you you can't do that with yourself you'd be talking to yourself for an hour it's a bit weird so what 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 advice would you give to other people in that domain oh yeah Yes, quite an interesting one, actually. I'd say if you're in a relationship with someone who's quite narcissistic and actually, let's let's keep it it simple. (laughs) I'd say if you are happy and the relationship makes you smile, then great. If you're finding yourself absolutely miserable absolutely um you know really emotional on this emotional roller coaster because that's what usually toxic relationships you tend to find <laughs> there's this toxic um uh, toxic cycle with no resolve because if if you find you're in a healthy relationship yes you can have the up and downs but you can resolve it together so if you can't resolve it together and you find yourself in this horrible emotional roller coaster then something needs to change there and it's around changing it for you it's about um changing your view to keep yourself safe and also to refine yourself again because it can be so draining in those type of relationships um uh, and also be kind to yourself 
because obviously you want to see the best in people you want to be able to um you know <laughs> you probably find that you're one of those people who uh, will give unconditional love and you're someone who's giving conditional love so it's almost being kind and seeing that quality within yourself as a positive and realizing well actually just in something quite negative so be kind to yourself and just do what's right for you Mm. The idea that what you want matters. Yeah. And when you speak to people who are in that kind of situation, you say that or you ask them, so do you think that what you want matters? And they look at you as if you've got two heads. Like, no. And the reason for that is they've maybe led a life up to that point of self-sacrifice, of martyrdom is the ideal, or of seeing, witnessing it or having these uh, codependent tendencies where it's like, well, look, if some, making someone else happy is the highest kind of thing that you could strive for. So we get, we get that combined with these principles like look for the good in people. Well, if you're looking for the good in people, what are you deleting? <laughs> it's the bad. And that could be valuable insight. Um, on the other hand, looking only for the bad in people, you'll find that everywhere. So you'll shoot yourself in the foot. Our tagline, if you like, is about, well, it, just just see the truth look for the truth in a person and make an informed decision based on that so when you combine that with the idea of look you actually deserve to be happy you deserve not to be treated like dirt and uh, if you don't believe that then that's that's the first step that we need to we need to bridge that gap to realizing look you weren't put on this earth to be someone else's plaything implement because I think that's the scary thing I think um you know I'm I'm going back to sort of like 2012 2011 and my mindset was okay I need to stay with this person so no one else can get damaged by this person (laughs) so there's that sort of self-sacrificing um uh, yeah mindset it's almost like okay I'll take this so no one else has to (laughs) but also because it's like having that empathy you see the broken person in front of you so again it comes back to that unconditional love but it's being able to say yeah actually your your life matters your emotions matter you matter and um no one deserves that shit basically and that's (laughs) a thing this is a podcast for like body language experts and so if you share the video which i think you do when the phrase unconditional love comes up you'll have seen my little skeptic muscles kick in because I think there's a, there's a piece there that's worth emphasizing a narcissist will say well you're not showing me unconditional love if you're saying that oh I shouldn't do this well I should have freedom to be who I am why are you judging me and all, all this gaslighty stuff and so that can be a weapon used against a very empathic person where they say well I'm supposed to be ticking this box of being unconditional the way I like to define unconditional love means irrespective of the conditions on the outside so yeah unconditional I don't care what other people might be thinking or saying or if someone you know if if there's some situation on the outside that's causing stress that doesn't you know invalidate you as a person or or whatever like that's the the conditions on the outside if you treat me like shit (laughs) there's going to be you know a conversation about that and, and you have the power and you have the right to negotiate that and say, look, these are my boundaries. This is the kind of relationship I'm happy to be in. And if it strays too far off that, I'm going to end up in a relationship like that, whether it's with you or someone else. And 
having that rootedness in yourself where you're confident enough within yourself to be able to say that and mean it, that's not undermining the unconditional love thing. That's mm. it's adding to it because it's like, well, look, we can be a fantastic team if we work together, if we have each other's best interests at heart, and if we talk things through and we can stand regardless of conditions on the outside. So for yeah. the analytical pricks like me in the audience, <laughs> that's, my, that's my piece. I think it boils back down to sort of standards and, and your needs in a relationship because it, it's making sure that both of you are happy and both of you are getting your needs met in, in that scenario. So if there is something toxic going on, well, guess what? It's going to affect, it's going to affect someone that needs to be dealt with. But I think it comes back to that consideration and that collaboration again. Mm-hmm. You need that to function in a relationship. It's <clears> not, I think, um, uh, in uh, very codependent or toxic relationships, you usually find there's one person always doing the work as well. And it's realizing actually it's a team effort, <laughs> both of you. And sometimes it might be one, more of the one, you know, more of the other in certain circumstances, but usually the majority of the time it should be the pair of you working together in that relationship. Do you find that balance like, do you encounter people who find that balance hard? Because there's a lot of couples that argue over like, well, he's doing like more of it, or like he's not doing enough or she's not doing this, or she says I'm not doing that and I am doing this and she's not actually like, it's kind of like a vicious cycle with some people where they will sort of argue over that balance. And in a way that's sort of key to what's going on. Have you encountered that yourselves with your clients? Do you have a way of sort of like directing them to a more positive area with that? Yeah, I think it's like what you tend to do is you tend to have a look at the beliefs and values of what you believe a relationship is. So usually, like even with someone like um, like the gender roles, things of like the blue jobs and the pink jobs and things like that, it's like saying, okay, well, one couple believes in this and the and the other, uh, well, sorry, the, one partner believes in this and one partner believes in. Um, I don't know, shared, like completely split down the middle jobs. And I think it's kind of like finding out those beliefs, finding out the inconsistencies of what's going on and then saying, right, okay, what are you both happy with? Bear in mind, this person needs this, this person needs that. What's what's the bit in the middle for you guys that you're both going to be happy with? Yeah. Yeah. And the other piece, I think we got this from Jordan Peterson or from from a conversation that happened over there where there's a fascinating study done where the result is, I won't go into the whole thing, but the result is that, look, if you're sharing a life together, then life's a serious business and it can get you down and there's stress and there's pressures and and there's a lot of serious stuff in life. That's why most people, when they're they're single, they're not skipping through life as if you're, you're facing obstacles and you're overcoming them. When you're doing that as a team, it's easy for that to become everything that you think about and talk about and the the romance and the stuff where when you were dating seeing that person was the highlight of your week now you're seeing them every day when you get back from a crap day at work <laughs> and moaning at them about your day they're moaning at you about their day and then it's oh god I come home and i see them i'm reminded of everything i've complained about for the past five years and, and <laughs> we wonder why we get less happy so it's making time literally carving out time in the week for two reasons on one occasion it's a practical conversation it's like look touching base what are you dealing with at the minute what am i dealing with what's the context what are the the things that we need to be aware of and planning for 
So it's like a logistical conversation, like a business meeting, basically. How are we running the business of this relationship? And then the other one is carving out the time to rekindle that romance or the intimacy or just the connection between you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And having those two things, if a relationship doesn't have that time, then it tends to run into issues. I think people tend to mix up that time of just like watching TV together or you know sitting together and playing on playing on your phone completely ignoring your partner it's like no it's not just about being in a room together it's actually taking time to have a conversation how's the weather date each other seduce each other like that that's the nice bit of the relationship then you can't leave it and then wonder why it's acting like it's been left untended so the thing there's no other part of your life that works fabulously by accident for most people anything that works well in your life it takes planning and it takes you know some degree of organization and so why would relationships be any different yeah i think that's a good sort of uh juxtaposed image like when couples before the romanticized idea it was like a romeo and juliet but the more modern image today is a man and a woman in a bed with the phones and not looking at each other. <laughs> that's just kind of like, that's the general concerns of what a romantic relationship looks like now. <laughs> yeah. and I really loved it. I don't know if you've seen it. Might have not, because it's a bit girly. But is it, um, is it Love is Love Blind don't on Netflix? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't ask you. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> Sorry, not on camera, dear. But, no, um... <laughs> Twice <laughs> in one interview. Yeah. <laughs> Secrets to safe there. Gentlemen, a word from our sponsor. Do you struggle with the motivation needed to meet your goals? Tired of that same old routine with the same old music. Do you feel like you need hours to work out to make sure you smash your goals? Do you need help with your mindset to make sure that you stay on point every day?
If any of this relates to you, and you want to be your own hero, we have a program for you. Workouts inspired by your favorite heroes, meal preps and plans to help get you there, mindset coaching to make sure that that staying on point never wavers, to make sure that you understand that in the face of a challenge, you have all the tools needed to keep it going, to smash it down, and a whole bunch more. So keep your eyes peeled for Hero. Very soon, you'll be well on your way to superhuman status. Now you might consider it a bit futile that I sponsor my own podcast, but there we are. I believe in what is collected within the app. and I believe it can do some good for the world and I only want to share it with you. Check it out now for 30 days free before even a penny is taken. How much fun would it be being a superhero? Available on Apple and Android. Start your journey now. That's all we've got time for this evening, guys. We'll be uh, catching up with just Lily next week. I love that series. It's so fascinating to watch because basically what happens is a load of load of people go in little separate booths. Um, you've got a woman, a man, and they can't see each other, but they can sit there and just have conversations. And the idea is where they had to date um, a section of people from just having a conversation and narrow it down to one person who they propose to before they see. And then they go off and live together and get married within four weeks. Jesus. (laughs) Really intense. The (laughs) interesting thing was, I think three couples out of seven, was it three couples out of seven? Um, Actually went into, you know, actually got married and carried on with their relationship a year later. And the conversations they were having so deep and so intimate, and they were creating that intimacy before they'd even seen each other. No way. Created that basis in their relationship. And it just shows that that is cool, to be fair. Yeah. That is cool. And it's like, it's not, I think people mistake intimacy for sex. And it's Mm. like, no. (laughs) Because your parts are touching doesn't mean that you've got this connection going on. No. No. Wow, I've managed to make Ben disgusted. I'm quite impressed. <laughs> like, I've, I've, I've never understood that myself, to be honest. Here, like, to go, here is the most threatening part of my body for, for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> I didn't realize it would be that type of show. Behind <laughs> <laughs> person I thought you said it was audio only. <laughs> You wait now, somebody who's just heard that on the pod, they go, get to YouTube, quick, he's done it, he's done it. 
Oh, it must be cold. <laughs> I thought that was the microphone. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to regain my position as the most uncouth human on the planet. Uh, <laughs> that's all. But it's a race to the bottom. Yeah, of course, mate. I, I, I love to reach the bottom, um, or at re least reach for it. Um, sorry, I've done it again. I've done it again. <laughs> it's like living with a really bad Christmas cracker joke over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> but what I, I I don't want people to sort of misconstrued what it is that we're talking about here, because in terms of romance and love it's not just about that right you know you can as, as an outside observer as well you can learn a lot about people and the people in a relationship whether that be a loving relationship they're in or a friendship any kind of relationship you can learn a lot about them from how they interact with those within that right definitely definitely you know yeah my Go on, sorry, yeah, carry on. Yeah, just I remember um, uh, my mum telling me a story about my granddad who um, uh, went to the shop and uh, he held the door open for this lady. And she goes, oh, I hope you're not holding the door because I'm a lady. And he goes, no, I'm holding the door because I'm a gentleman. And it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah. I treat people with oh, respect my. because that's who I am. <laughs> It's not about the other person. And also so I can slam it on the blue ass face. I love that. It's like, Brilliant. yeah, you treat people because that's your standards. It's, it's yeah. about who you are rather than what's it, about who you are and how you, you're happy to treat people. I think, I think this is another layer of relationships. You know, it's like um, when people get ghosted or the relationship breaks up and it's like, oh, it's always happening to me. And people take it so personally when actually it's, it's the other person's shit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, they left. They left. That was that was my uh, that was my uh, my ex. I, I'd, I'd come home from work one day and the house was empty. No. It, it was empty. There was a note on there that said, please read me. I was like, fuck you. I'm not reading that. I burnt it. And um, it was great. It was a cathartic moment. Uh, but a, a lot of um, a lot of my friends around Adam wasn't one of them. But a lot of my friends around me were saying, "Oh, what what happened? What did you do?" It's like, yeah, I didn't do, I didn't do anything. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. This is the thing. It's like people just see. Well, yeah. I was gonna joke and say, you know, well, what did you do? But I thought I was gonna be wrong, but I can't believe you said that. I think this is the thing when we go back to like um abusive relationships as well. Um I think I was so afraid about like this is going back again to 2012, 2011. I was so afraid to tell someone that I was in an abusive relationship because it was a fear of okay, I've made someone so angry, they're gonna be wondering about what I did. And I think this is another element of those sort of toxic relationships as well. You know, people are so afraid of what, you know, what people are going to think. But yeah, sorry, I digress. <laughs> no, not, not at all. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to circle it all together in what may be the lamest segue you've ever heard. Oh God. I, I'm going to, I'm going to bring Netflix into it. I'm going to bring narcissism into it and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shove it all together. Have you, have you seen the TV show you? No. That. What you, you <laughs> what you wow. you mate you look over there you'll see a camera 
Ashton Kutcher pops out with his trucker hat on. We got you, man. Um, but yeah, jackass punches. Wall to one side. But but no, it, it focuses on a guy who is is uh, a serial narcissist with some what. Um, murderous ends uh, not not to give too much of the plot plot away if you haven't watched that but I bloody love the show it's so yeah. it's so interesting but it's about those observable qualities that he takes about people to use them to engineer a relationship on his own terms in his own way and in his own words it, there's a lot of um, seeing what you want to see and blotting out that which you don't want to ignore so it, it's it's a word that has has come up a couple of times, right? So on on your guys' definition of that, so if someone is a, is a narcissist, particularly within a, a relationship, what 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 does that what does that mean? What does that mean for somebody to be aware of? Yeah. So there's narcissistic personality disorder, which mm -hmm. is a literal disorder, where there, there's a, a neurological problem. That's a small percentage of of the population yeah what we're you will run across those people primarily a narcissistic person or sometimes so that the waters are less muddy I, I talk about predatory or parasitic people so then you're not worrying about like a, a clinical definition but how are they behaving how are they going to treat you if they're predatory or parasitic if they can't take no for an answer if their own uh wants needs and desires always come ahead of yours and if if you are, are the issue the problem like de demoted to being a secondary character feel like a background character in their lives then those are all telltale signs those are the trademarks of a narcissistic relationship how do you know um have you seen you've seen examples of when someone would know when they've become a secondary can uh Secondary cancer, secondary character. <laughs> oh my god! Secondary character. We skip right past the primary one. Oh my god! Yeah. Are the signs to know if you've become a secondary character? Because some people, not to be cynical, but some people don't know. Sometimes, do they? When they like uh, are in that in those motions, because if they love that person or think they love that person, they won't be aware of the situation they're in. So, as do you know? Or is there a way that you could say that you could tell those signs yourself? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are I, you afraid? Just leave the answer there. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah. Sign for the course if you want to know. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you, there are a couple of things. If you feel like sometimes the only way to keep the peace is to give that person a compliment, that's a huge red flag. Like sometimes there's the only way to satisfy them is to tell them something they want to hear. That's the top of the list of red flags. The other thing is, are you scared of saying that you do or don't want something that may be contrary to what they've stated or what they, what you think they want? Are you censoring your own self to that degree where you're thinking, well, what I want doesn't matter. And, are, and you become like a, a satellite orbiting that person's life yeah yeah i think it's like um uh, it's where you're feeling like you're treading on eggshells 
And the only way that you can be happy is if you comply. So what I mean by that is if you find yourself, um, like going back to one of my scenarios, I used to find if I went out with friends or went out, um, you know, did something without that ex, I would suddenly have, have messages or missed calls and something starting an argument. So what would happen on a chemical level, if you just think about this on a chemical level, I couldn't do anything without him, without having that undercurrent of feeling bad and feeling crap and feeling like, oh, <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, yeah. And uh, the only way you can feel good is if you're either with them or you're doing things to keep them happy. Yeah. You think about that's the only, that if, from a chemical point of view, and we're talking about that chemical addiction, that's the only thing you can do to find your own happiness. Yeah which is quite terrifying. So I found when I broke off that relationship, I went for amazing Chinese with the girls. And when I got back, I was like, oh, I still feel good. I feel good. And, and this is so weird. And am I allowed to feel good? And it was that revelation of like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it has a big impact. And I was unaware of all the behavioral profiling stuff and everything back then. I think I was only about 19, 20. But yeah, just to notice that feeling of like, oh my God, I still feel good. Why do I, why? I remember even thinking, what why has gone wrong good? for this to happen? <laughs> <laughs> Some people think that way, which is, is really tragic, I guess. What has gone wrong for me to be happy? Yeah. What, what just happened? Why would you say those words to yourself? And uh, it, it's, it's something that I learned really hard from the first time I read those those big blue books behind you the the two copies of darren brown's happy um I, I, just to say as well i love the the symmetry of your relationship you've got seven books in either side of there and you've got darren brown in either side that's really cool um and there's like a darren brown in the middle as well somewhere yeah i, I can see his i yeah. can see his, his tiny face popping out um, so that, is, that is Darren Brown. That is Darren Brown. <laughs> got good People desperately scramble to YouTube again. What's happening? Um, but yeah, it's um, the, the stories that we tell ourselves have just as much of an effect on the perception of our reality as the actual uh, effects that the actual reality is having. You know, it's about the way we. We rationalise that to ourselves. If we if we say things like oh, "What's gone wrong for us to for me to think that I'm happy?" It's it's a terrible story that you're telling yourself. Much like my my main one is somebody saying, "Oh, I'll never remember that." Why stop telling yourself that? Frustrating <laughs> story. You're already putting the brakes on before you start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are fantastic hypnotists, and they tell themselves the most awful commands. Yeah, yeah. That was self-engineered to do that, aren't we? And it's weird. You wonder, like, were we built like that from the beginning? Was that always the way we were going? Or is it just today's culture, just today's God side? damn it. Well, you think, exactly. You think about it in school. <laughs> I love the whole analogy of, like, trying really hard. <laughs> and, like, you know, <laughs> there's, like, this great analogy of, like, okay, close your eyes, walk from the book, you know, open a door, and once you're through, open your eyes. Then the other side is, like, okay, close your eyes, try really hard to open that door just try just try really hard and walk through and you know open your eyes and people just struggle with that and you think how many times at school do you hear you know like mm. telling kids try really your best try yeah. yeah well meaning that's the yeah. same yeah. that's the thing it's yeah. the, the, the best intentioned parents and teachers 
damaged their children horribly. <laughs> and, so that, and, and we've all been those children to some degree. So then it's a case of, well, you become an adult, you become informed, you find out, right, there may be an alternative. I always like to say to people, like, look, the amount of things in your life that you used to believe were true and have turned out to be totally wrong. Like, like someone might say, oh yeah, that relationship, I thought it was everything and like, I believed that was true and then it just all fell apart. I'm like, great. So it turns out that things you believe in might be untrue. Let's examine some of your bullshit beliefs about yourself <laughs> and your own potential. Because, because, <laughs> may, because maybe, just maybe, that thing that you thought was irreversibly true, if that can fall apart, then something like an idea like, oh, I'm a shy person, maybe that's bullshit too. So it's a really, for me, I'm like, there's, okay, there's that negative bit where that thing fell apart. But the amount of things that you have that need to fall apart is a fantastic opportunity. Little things add up, right? Little yeah. things. You know, if if you talk about some of the little annoyances that your partner has, if you take those, like, it, it pisses the fuck out of my other half when I don't put the toothbrush back in the toothbrush holder. I just leave it out in the windowsill, right? But those those minor little things, when it actually goes back in there, they, it, it all it all adds up, right? So my, my question regarding that and narcissists, have in your experience of dealing with that ilk, have, have you ever come across the kind of people that started off with the best intentions and then through little bits have eventually developed like certain, a casserole effect into cer certain narcissistic traits certain poisonous toxic habits she's looking at you again jonah <laughs> <laughs> what like, answer a day yeah i'm not sure whether it's the I've had ex exact experiences of that where something starts off really nice and then it deteriorates. And I, I think that's whether that's narcissism or if it's just the unresolved brokenness that needed to be dealt with in both parties sometimes. It's like, well, you can you can start off great and you go through all the motions. So, right, I can I know these things to say, and here's how to be romantic as a man, you bring chocolates and stuff, and all that that you, you jump through all the hoops, and then eventually. This is what the pickup artist industry is guilty of. It like gives you a script, which is great until you run out of it. Then you have to be yourself. And if, yeah. the, and if who you are is freaking broken and you've not looked at yourself, then you've got issues. So, so you can have two people having those mask, uh, actors' masks on. And so it starts well. And then it's like, oh, here's my vulnerable self, which I'm insecure and threatened about. So I'll be defensive about. So which quickly turns into arguments or toxicity or passive aggression. If you have that from two people who would otherwise be lovely people, then yeah, it can soon deteriorate downhill. Yeah, and I think even like from the, if you're dating a narcissist, you get all the love bombing and everything to begin with. Mm. And it's um, uh, when you think about the, the chemical side again, you know, we're, we're lapping up all the um, adoration. <laughs> <laughs> You were slow to finish oh the sentence. That was so painfully British. <laughs> Careful. 
attention you're desperate for that love and you're suddenly getting it you're in that place where you're hooked and all of a sudden seeing the best interests and seeing the good in that person you've already got that premise of oh this person's amazing and I've told all my friends and family that they did this for me and they did that for me and you've created this story and then all the shit filters, you know, filters yeah. through. Yeah. <laughs> it's that commitment and consistency that you yes, mentioned. Yes, yes. Like, that's the thing. With the narcissist, they have this, the love script, which is instinctive. There's a very predictable sequence mm. of behaviours. And it starts with that love bombing thing. So in that stage, we tend to tell our, our friends, oh, yeah, this, this person is going really well or family members so you get that social thing of oh I'm with this person or I'm seeing this person and they're the bee's knees and so you you sell this person essentially or sell the idea of them to all your friends and family which creates this expectation so then if you have to backtrack that's like saying I was wrong I'm a bad judge of character and <laughs> do you know what well i I was basically signaling that I'm capable and worthy of a loving relationship. And now I'm having to take that back. So, so the, the social cost of backtracking in that way is, it's definitely perceived as being massive. Yeah. Like you'll say, don't you? It's like, oh, people say, oh, how, how are things with so-and-so? Oh, we're not really speaking anymore. Oh, what? No, I thought they were so lovely. And we met that time and, oh, they were so nice. What happened? And that, for someone who's not a bloody-minded person like me, that, that, <laughs> that, that's, that's too much confrontation to deal with. So in some cases, it's easier to say, well, I should be forgiving. I should look for the good. I shouldn't be critical of people. I should give them the benefit of the doubt. And things were good. So I have evidence that it can return to that level of goodness again. Yeah. And so starting with that love bombing, where it's like, look, here's everything that you've ever wanted. It's, uh, it's the old bait and switch. Yeah. <laughs> the old bait and switch. <laughs> On the other side of that, do you ever encounter like clients who have self-destructive behaviours in their relationship? Oh. They like, instead of the ones who sort of like, uh, you know, they, they harbour things and it breaks down naturally or, you know, you see a slow decline or do you see people who have been or are in a relationship where they can be truly happy and they do have what they want but for some reason or other just decide that it's too too good is i suppose a way that they're, they're too happy or they expect it to go bad so they they flip the table the metaphorical table so to speak and just destroy it all there and then yeah there's like two versions of this i think there's one way you self-sabotage because there's almost this underlying thing of like oh i don't deserve love i can't find love all men are assholes and there's that and the other and I think the other side of this as well is like this biology thing again of, okay, how much shit can you handle? <laughs> and it, I mean, we call this like, I'm sure when you pick up artists, it's called the shit test or something like that or bullshit test, where it's like, okay, we're, you know, it's, it's I wouldn't even say it's conscious, but there's this, subcon no. this subconscious thing of like, okay, how much can I throw at you? And can you handle that? Because if you can't, I can't respect you. 
And I think there's a level of thing of like, okay, if you can handle this, then there's that respect level and attraction thing as well. So I think there's a healthy and unhealthy versions of this. I think even healthy versions a bit jaded, but, <laughs> but it's kind of like a natural thing of actually, yeah, selecting a partner in a weird yeah, way. The, there are those two aspects. So there's there's that and the shit test is, the, the psychology behind it is, if you can't deal with the small amount of shit that I can throw at you, how can you protect me when I'm vulnerable? Yeah. Against, yeah. you know, say if, as a woman gets pregnant, giving birth to a child, that's a vulnerable period of time. How can you protect, protect me from the world full of shit out there? So, so it's, it's hardwired into a degree, mm. but like we said, that goes un unhealthy. The other side is that, um, like you, you were alluding to Adam, I think, is that people become self-fulfilling prophecies. Yeah. So they have a belief. I read a great quote, I forget the person, but they said the beliefs are the filters that give structure to chaos. So we go through life and we filter all this information through our beliefs. And so there's confirmation bias and a bunch of biases. Yeah. So if we have a belief that says, I'm unworthy of love or everything, every good thing comes to an end or anything, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is or, or, or whatever it might be. If we're running those beliefs, we'll search doggedly for evidence to support it. So you can have a great relationship but then it's like, oh, my belief that every good thing comes to an end or that, uh, you know, I'm not uh, attractive enough to keep someone beyond a certain uh, milestone in the relationship. Then it's, we'll see evidence to that. Then we'll act as if it's true. And then we'll start treating the other person badly or differently. And then we treat them differently. So, of course, they respond differently because there's that stimulus response thing. So then, then we say, oh, they're treating me differently. Yeah. That, that's more evidence. So you get this, this is a, we call it a positive feedback suit, uh, feedback loop, but it's not positive. <laughs> a Freudian slip, mate. <laughs> hungry. <laughs> hungry. <laughs> <laughs> feedback soup. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, I totally get what you mean. And you, you confirm to yourself what you want to hear in a way. Sometimes you engineer that, which is terrible. It's terrible but we all do it. So yeah. Then the question becomes well, can you re engineer your beliefs? We believe yes, uh, because you weren't born with them. Yeah. Therefore, they were learned. Therefore, they can be unlearned or re. Like upgraded so most people don't think that deeply about it or they don't give themselves the chance to actually make that level of change yeah so i'm going to address a pretty sort of um social elephant in the room um and you can you can stay as you can stay as non-committal as you like you you can you can tell me to skip on no, i'm gonna ask you anyway um <laughs> There's there's a particularly toxic relationship being dragged over the coals um, at, at the moment from both sides uh, of of the uh, of the of the party allegiance, regardless of which, which side of that allegiance that you fall on. Right? There's no there's no getting away from the fact that uh, I, I'm I'm going to stay non-committal myself. JD and a H's 
um, relationship. Uh, Jack Sparrow and that other one. Man's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, an Aquaman's girlfriend. Um, <laughs> I was trying to think of anything else she'd been in. I could only think of Drive Angry with Nicolas Cage because I love that film. It's great. Um, Nicolas Cage is crazy. Um, that's just a side note, though. That, that's what makes Nicolas Cage awesome. But, that's the next podcast. Now, I, I realize that as, as the ignorant public, we are only allowed to know or hear so much, right? Obviously. But with things like this, there are underlying behavioral traits that will leak through no matter where you see them. That's how quote-unquote body language experts make you know make their living they look at red carpet things and extrapolate behaviors that's how policemen do they look at video elements and extrapolate behaviors right it goes on so with with regard to this this particular relationship dynamic in terms of personalities that have met together and and come apart I'm just interested on in your guys' opinion of, of what's fundamentally wrong with with them both, uh, to be honest, right? Because I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to ask you to uh, assign guilt one way or the other because we can't, right? I'm I'm quite comfortable with giving my opinion. I've got I've got one. I've given my opinion, but I'm aware that it's based upon a cripplingly low level of evidence, <laughs> and, and 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 nothing more. So um, have, you, have you guys even looked at the dynamic between the two of them? Do you have any uh, thoughts, insights on it? Small clip. I think you've watched that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big pop culture <laughs> glossy mag reader. Oh, no, same. Yeah. So, so, so when it all kicked off, and I've heard of Johnny Depp because of Captain Jack Sparrow and all that stuff. So it's, Did he dress up as him name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Is that the Hawaiian shirt thing? No, no. I was like 15 and uh, and I went to this fancy dress party so I got but I couldn't grow a proper beard but I had to, so no I, I got my mum's makeup and I drew a beard on and um, so yeah highlight of, uh, highlight of my teenage years um, that was a uh, trip down memory <laughs> anyway <laughs> So, so a nostalgic kick in the shin. So, so pop uh, pop culture isn't my main thing, but I do think on brief analysis of it and like looking at the conversations and that, it seems to boil down to what was mentioned earlier about. Like, I'm not going to make a character judgment on who's a bitch or who's a bastard and, and all that stuff, but at the fundamental core, it's like look injured people who haven't resolved yeah. their shit then getting together and wondering why there's some disharmony it's like you've not you've not created a peaceful resolution within yourself so you're going to get with someone else and expect to find peaceful resolution there and and that's all you know subconscious and there's social posturing and all that but the the ripple effect on the basic structural level that would be my maybe oversimplistic analysis, but that's what I would, if they were to come to me as clients, that's what I'd be thinking about. Yeah, I think it's like the, it's like the compatibility element. You can have the, you can have the consideration, you can have the and the um, collaboration, but if there's not the 
compatibility point there to begin with. So if you've got two major priorities um, or a major priority in, in both lives, which are pulling apart, it's going to cause this horrible resentment part. So I think mm. if you've got that element in there and also unresolved little things like toothbrushes on windowsills, <laughs> which go unresolved, then... Um, you're going to have this massive build-up. And guess what? If drugs are in the mix and alcohol are in the mix, well, um, yeah, I don't think we talk that great. <laughs> I can barely get my words out after having a drink. We've, so. we've not done drugs. <laughs> not, no, 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 I meant alcohol. But, no. yeah, no. We've not done drugs today. What are you talking about? You're thinking of someone else. <laughs> you're stoned, so the face is all blurred. There's a something there. <laughs> I just mean, like, if you're in a place where you're not, fully coherent and you already struggled with communicating when you're sober and you've yeah. got all those elements going on bloody hell I mean that's just like you know add petrol to the fire mm. so I think how easy is it for something to go so out of hand and now of course media are having an absolute field day aren't they mm. <laughs> and they are uh, but, but like 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 I was saying before it's, it's a good it's a good way to learn about other people through how they are in relationships we can definitely abduce a certain level of, of information about both of them uh, individually so you can pinpoint possible flaws to uh you know iron odd they, they ain't gonna iron shit out now you know i imagine it'd be a case of a gladiatorial battle if they ever got together again um <laughs> but for the average everyday client you might get uh, I imagine that's that's largely been the case moving forward. So I'm going to bring it on to slightly more jovial uh, topics of conversation, um, as as opposed to the uh, you know the the, the tip top reporting I've done so far. Um, <laughs> we, to to that end, right? You know, Mr. Holmes is uh, obviously uh, infamous for solving puzzles wantonly and, and and quickly and accurately uh free of this entanglement of uh you know a, emotional clouding um so i'm curious what's been the most puzzling thing that you guys have experienced and what sort of steps have you taken to solve it do you know what like i'll, I'll start i think women <laughs> <laughs> End of interview. <laughs> I think, um, like when, when Joey, <laughs> I'm gonna say something quite sweet here, I and you have to be an ass. I, sh I shouldn't have said that, but I had to. <laughs> Lily, stop talking to Jodham after that. We, uh, we still don't know why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think the, the most puzzling part for me. It's like when we first got together, there was this huge thing of like the intention of doing the best for each other and the relationship. And uh, for me, it's like, why isn't that obvious for everybody? Because <laughs> it's almost like going into a relationship that is healthy and that has that dynamic, it flows, it's easy. And I think it's almost like taking the complexity, and no, I can't, can't get that word out. You did. You said it. <laughs> it was complex statistic. What? No, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't. I can't even think how to say it. <laughs> but that word, 
it's always like, why do people want to make it this big, complex mind game? You know, you're almost going to dating and it's almost like, you know, like I said, bringing those actors into place of like, okay, can I figure out that person before they figure me out? And it's almost like, I think the puzzling aspect for me is like, why did, when did dating get so complex? <laughs> and, and what's caused it sort of, um, uh, yeah, to, well, no, it's, it's, it's yeah, no, I'm just ch- chatting bollocks now. Would you say online online dating has <laughs> caused huge complexities? Well, I think I think it's just it comes back to the the vulnerability side and the I think social media and online dating. I think there's a competitive element of like, okay, how many people you can date and things like that for men, mm. how many women can be slept with, and I think it's it's turned into the battle of the sexes, if you like rather than actually meeting someone and and forming a unity. And I think dating's almost become this massive battle. You know, you have um, like the pickup artist in- industry, you've got the 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 women side of you know the dating coaches for women who are like, oh say these 10 things to make him fall in love with you. And, and it's like, why when you know why are these different industries making these manipulation techniques in order to form genuine relationships it's like that's the thing that can that yeah. <laughs> puzzles me <laughs> probably a little bit like a digress of relationships I think you know if you boil down to simple elements of relationships it's easy but I think for me that's just I can't get my head around that I suppose in a way love with intelligence is the solution to that then right yeah yeah definitely make it make it simple and make it compatible and non-lasting that's what you want (laughs) absolutely absolutely yeah and and we've we've you know we've spoken about well certainly me and yourself we've spoken about past experiences with with maddie at the moment we often joke that we're we've we're vulcans involved in a, a sort of vulcan mind meld and why we why we haven't had this experience before and all all of these things that you've that you've spoken about tonight you know the, the the communicative elements the the acceptance of vulnerabilities around one another you know these these certain give and take dynamics often things that we've thought to be quite cliche in the past you know mm-hmm. uh that do get taken for granted when they're all when they all sort of culminate t- together you go holy shit right it, 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 soon <laughs> we'll have, we'll have been together like nearly we're a couple of months off being together for three years and we've not yet had an argument like and it's it's unreal it's it's in those moments where you stop being a dick okay (laughs) 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 you know or or would you mind just doing this yeah all right whatever you know i'm I'm not particularly happy about it i'll voice my concerns i'll do it anyway we're both grown-ups we'll move on right (laughs) and it's yeah it's it's uh when when you find that sort of ding that light bulb moment, it's it's magical. It is. <laughs> Don't go soppy. It's lovely. I love it this. Is. But I think the thing is, it's almost like um, you know, thinking of puzzle pieces. It's finding the other puzzle piece that fits because I think it's it's a dynamic that you can't have with just anybody. You can't fake it. It's something that flows. It's something that's natural, and it's. It just boils down to that compatibility element, you know, that consideration element and that, um, you know, collaboration. And the the self-knowledge, I often describe how 
look physically you have spatial awareness if you didn't have mm. it you'd be smashing into things injuring yourself and damaging stuff on the outside so that makes perfect sense physically it makes sense mentally and emotionally too so having that mental and emotional spatial awareness of look how am i working how am i responding in these situations and being able to observe your own patterns i would guess um given your experience that, that what you just shared that you both have the ability to if someone says oh don't be a dick rather than being defensive i'm not a dick how could you consider that i'd ever be a dick <laughs> you've got the ability to pause and say oh yeah no nah, fair and then then you wind your neck in and, <laughs> and and if you get two people who have the you know the compa compatibility the collaboration but also that self awareness where it's like look you're both stable people and so you've not got one person or both people throwing it out of balance it's, it's accountability as well mm. as soon as you've got like I said, as soon as you've got someone going well i'm not a dick here is my powerpoint presentation <laughs> 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 I feel like there's a lot of couples that wish they could record what the other one says because a most common argument is, well, uh, you said such and such last week, and it's like, ah, but you know, magical recorder. Actually, no, I didn't say this. People sort of like it's like with myself and my partner. Uh, half the time, I will uh, I, maybe we've had arguments in the past, or sort of like semi little niggles, where I'm adamant to the point of defending myself. Even though in full knowledge, I know I've fucked up. <laughs> for some reason, there's just sort of, it's like a fight or flight. Now you surrender or like, no, I must stand my ground. <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> I <take> a country. <laughs> it's either, that will either, sometimes the fight, they say you've got to stick up yourself in a relationship, but at the same time, there's sometimes where it's just not the same sort of thing, is it? And sometimes it is good to have someone there to tell you how it is like oh why have you put like something that i did uh, quite stupid a while ago was for some reason put ice creams that were meant to be in the freezer in a dry cupboard just i literally just wasn't paying attention and the ice cream then dribbled down onto the microwave mains and now <laughs> it's one of those where i could have we instantly we knew it was me <laughs> we both knew it was me and at first i sort of found myself immediately not admitting to that and i didn't really know why it's just sort of going to self-defense mode but it, it's good when you have that relationship like we we have now where she can just call me like oh you stupid dick and it's just like i know it's like it's it's a, it, it boils back down to that communication it's learning how to communicate these things across it's like you know Benny was saying, like, you know, you call somebody, call each other a dick when you're being a dick, and it's like, yeah. great. You know? I think, um, uh, yeah, I'm definitely more resistant. I'm always right. So. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the. Yeah. But not no lip compression. <laughs> I think where people come from, like their family background, makes a difference. Yeah. Like if, if you're from a family where it's like, look, we'll all be nicey-nicey with each other and oh, you don't speak to each other in a nasty tone. And there are families like that. Weirdos, I call them. <laughs> <laughs> well, my background, and maybe I'm the weirdo, but my background is like, look, if you've got an issue, hash it out. The tone of voice doesn't matter. 
Dust. The amount of expletives <laughs> doesn't matter. And, you know, if someone doesn't want to be called a dick or worse, that's like one. <laughs> that they, is like your rule book. <laughs> look, if you've acted like a prick for the past half hour and I call you it, me labeling it is not the issue. <laughs> if, if I'm telling you the truth about yourself and it feels like an insult, the problem's on you. No, I don't. Honestly, imagine a game of like 3D chess, like having arguments with each other, like body language, the coaching. Like, I mean, we used to like laugh when we first got together. It's like, okay, the egos battle it out, then the coach's side of us have to sort of bring it all back, and then you got the behavioral profile. Okay, what needs and fears came up then? Yeah, it was just exhausting. It's like, okay, dear. It's avoiding that thing of it becoming an arms race. Yes. It's like, yeah. no, well, you're, well, no, I'm not. And then this blah, 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 blah thing that just escalates is to be able to catch that before it happens. Well, as yeah. it's happening, and be like, okay, let's press pause on that. Yeah. What are we actually saying? But also having the, I'm going to call it like the bravery to actually see it through until the end to make sure like, okay, is everyone happy at the end? Because how many people do you hear about like, you know, going to bed angry and all that crap and having all that, crappy undertone mm. to your relationship it's like okay if you can hash it out and come to a really great resolution whether it's through no arguing i'm amazed ben that's freaking amazing <laughs> <laughs> i she, wish i could be she like just, that she just texts me halfway through love you you big gay <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love it yeah hash you know it's like you know it's finding the way that you guys mm -hmm. communicate best so. Yeah, I've had a similar text. It's just you're a big gay. <laughs> that that was from me though, mate. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we've we've spoken about um, uh, a, a couple of TV shows and the like, and these these can often do um, more harm than good, really, to what it is that that you guys do, what it is that I do, what it is that Adam does, what it is that anybody does, right? They can often pour fuel on the fire of sort of, uh, like, fallacies surrounding your work and what it is that you do, you know? Um, <laughs> be, before, like, I, I, like I'll, I'll give you an example. Before I, before I met you guys, the only person, and this isn't even a real person, the only person I ever knew to... Um, call themselves a relationship coach was uh, uh mr fokker's uh mum uh, barbara streisand in meet the fokkers oh, that, that, that's <laughs> it's, it's it's a brilliant film uh as well but i would imagine when you guys uh tell people what it is that you do you know it, it comes with a certain element of maybe maybe stereotypes maybe hurdles that you have to come across uh, get across rather to help people understand more about that how how do you guys go about overcoming that type of thing oh gosh yeah it's I, I remember being at um, one of the behavioral profiling courses <laughs> and I turned around and said to someone that I was a relationship and dating coach and it was like a cute little you know you're talking to about three or four people in one go and all of a sudden one of the people just walks off <laughs> Oh, nope. <laughs> oh. at that point like because my background was I was an accountant and did you know worked for fortune 500 companies and then suddenly going from like the corporate logical you know title to dating coach it was like oh 
and then getting used to that and then seeing that person walk off it was like hmm so we did like we did go through a phase of calling ourselves um behavioral profilers that specialize in relationships and dating <laughs> to bring back that prestige because i think so many people um assume with like relationships and dating dating coaches it's like manifest your partner and use law of attraction and or um you know couples counseling and mm. it has this real crap tinge <laughs> Jonah was like I'll say it I'll say it <laughs> she's got Tourette's <laughs> I wasn't paying attention <laughs> yeah yeah there's it's another the... Freudian slip <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know about the um, different movies. And again, pop culture isn't my, my thing. What do you mean you don't know about the different movies? She's been trying to educate me in chick flicks since lockdown started. Out but, of self-defense, I watched but, stand-up comedy. But admittedly, can't it's you know like um, you know like when you're watching a football game alive. And there's always some knobhead, like literally like shouting at the screen, like, come on, or goal, or what are you doing, your soul, or whatever. That's exactly how he watches rom coms. Well, she wants Come on, you've got to be kidding me. She wants me to get into (laughs) it. That just happened. And then she she wants me to get into it. And then she complains when I get into it. (laughs) Edward Cullen. Like, honestly, you, you're a good-looking vampire dude, been alive a hundred years, and then you, you're virgin still, and then you meet some personalityless, vacuous, flaccid 15-year-old, and suddenly she's like the best thing. You got through the 60s, you got through Woodstock, and you're still a virgin, but now you meet Little Miss No Personality. It's, it's travesty. Yeah. I can't. I can't watch it again. <laughs> So, <laughs> it's coming to that time of year when you can watch Love Actually. Oh yeah, will be a Liam Neeson. Well, you had to watch Pretty Woman. Actually, you enjoyed that. I did. You did. Yeah. yeah. So just that, for the that's improvement. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. You know what I'm talking about. I wasn't being a crocodile. You, you know what I'm talking about. about. <laughs> I'm sure that was unscripted. You know, on what it was. Was, it was it? unscripted? Yeah. Yeah. The, her life was just too genuine. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie though, it's proper cute. It's all good. We can talk about pretty woman. So if you're gonna go out with a prostitute, right? So oh. what what no, I'm, I'm kidding. That's, that's 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 can open worms everywhere uh, yeah. type of scenario. She's unrealistic. How cheap uh... is this? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Stoke-on-Trent, mate, so maybe like uh, four, four pound. Oh, the, <laughs> oh, the, with the, change? The worms are just extra proteins go with the chips. <laughs> oh. That's the level. I love it. <laughs> That's where we are. <laughs> That's where we are. Uh, so, so, guys, we're, we've had a great time chatting tonight. And what my big takeaway from this, more so than anything, not just... In, in loving relationships that you're engaged in, but every kind of relationship that you're involved in as well, the little things are infinitely the most important. That's the, regardless of the, 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 the type of situation in which they occur, the little things that they are, they, they matter, right? It's, That's what I keep telling Becky, but she keeps laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, it's like, like in the movies where there's a shield wall. It's like, hold. 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 Someone's going to say it. That's the only reason I started talking about it, because one, I've got the Sherlock Holmes quote to back it up, but two, I don't have to then make the obvious dick joke. I got mine out of the way earlier. <laughs> There was a moment before me, me I, I can't believe I'm about to say this as well, but I've started, so I'll finish. Um, there, there was a moment before. <laughs> there was a moment before when um, uh, we 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 started the conversation. I'm just just to talk about random jokes that we really shouldn't say whilst whilst the recording's happening. And um, I I, I, well, I came up. I said, Adam, your face is half black. <laughs> yes, that's what mi being mixed race is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh dear! Shot in the foot. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, sorry, mate. I'll uh, I'll take my inordinately large hairy feet out of my mouth now. Uh, but but seriously, guys, there's there's been a lot of solid takeaways in terms of uh, behavioural education that that you can get out of this um, this session that we've had uh, this evening. You know, beside mine and Adam's uh, therapy. So if there's if, if there's anyone out there in the ether that has had their um, light bulb moment, I was I, I was I was desperately short of a metaphor there. So uh, I've I've already used enough phallic metaphors so far this evening. Um, so if there's anybody that's that's had that light bulb moment where they've gone, look, something needs addressing. I need help. How can they best get in touch with you? Yeah, go ahead to the website, which is www.lovewithintelligence.com. So all one word, lovewithintelligence.com. Yeah, and we've got loads yeah. of um, resources on there, loads yeah. of blogs, loads of narcissists. Yeah, loads of, yeah, <laughs> blogs, free resources. I like them and cage them up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We just released a, a masterclass, I think, this Monday. It was, uh, which yeah. was great. We did that live, but the recording's available. And and also there's a, a consultation call where if it's like, well, I want more personalized advice. Because if every situation's unique, right? We always say one size fits all fits nobody well. So yeah. if you just need that specific insight where it's like rather than trawl through tons of articles, so you just want that pinpoint advice, we can have a chat too. Awesome. Now, th there is there is one question I ask everybody, right? But I'm I'm already nervous about asking. Uh, well, you more than anything, Joe, given how terrible you are with pop culture uh, <laughs> at the moment. But who's your favourite Sherlock Holmes? Well, that's not pop culture, is it? That's mm. classic culture. That's a few. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say, um, for me. It'd probably have to be Jeremy Brett. You love him right now, don't you, Ben? <laughs> he, got, he got so into the character that it drove him nuts. I mean, that's dedication. Right. Absolutely, 100%. That's why Heath Ledger's Joker will go down in history as well. Yeah, for, the for similar reasons. Yeah. It's dedication to art. Art imitating life, imitating. I'm not going to start ranting about Jeremy Brett now. It's too late. We've been talking for too long, and I'm kind of hungry. So uh, 
I'm going to go and eat some food. So, guys, if you've enjoyed that, which we know you all have, given how fast you scrambled earlier to YouTube to check out my junk, um, <laughs> don't forget next episode um, is available on the Fridays. Get in touch with Lily and Jonam just as soon as you humanly possibly can uh, to, to, to seek advice and, f and further help. With that in mind, we'll talk to you all soon. Hope everyone's keeping safe and well out there and making smart decisions for those around you. All right, guys. See yeah, you guys. soon. Thank Bye. you. Bye.